Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tej Talks. Now, this is on IGTV, this is on YouTube, and this is a podcast. So I have like four different devices in front of me. So bear with me, but there shouldn't be any technical issues. So thank you so much for joining me. Now, today I want to talk about why... I mean, the title of this podcast is a little bit, you know, sensationalist, but maybe why I give up, or I haven't given up, but why I would and why I have felt like giving up on buy-to-lets, and specifically buy-to-lets using the BRR model, which is where you buy it with cash or a bridge, you then refurbish it and force appreciation and you add value, and then you refinance it. You pull the money back out, go again, you know, recycle that cap- cash pot, as people say, and then you rent it out and then it produces income. Now, I get a 50% plus return on these deals. I think most people doing BRR themselves are getting about that much. I have some that give a hundred or a thousand, whatever the spreadsheet says, but a very healthy return on that money left in. So essentially using that strategy, what I found is that it blows your mind, right? Because it's incredible. You put money in, yeah, you need a chunk to start with, you put that money in, you do some stuff, and then X many weeks, months later, whatever, you get all your money back. And so all you've actually invested, or that's left in that investment, as it's called, is, you know, whatever few thousands of pounds or tens or however you work it out, that's in there. So I've got houses now that the rent has actually paid for the money that's left in. So they're free houses. I have, I have no, all I have is equity. If I sell it, that's pure 25% profit. That's pretty cool. So, you know, the theoretical part behind it and the reality of it is amazing. You know, like how, how can you buy a house and then basically have nothing left in it or, or such a small amount? It's incredible. You know, where else could you put £5,000, which is what I aim to leave in and get a 50% return on that, you know, with appreciation. I don't think you could and have the security of, of, you know, yeah, tenants is tricky, but of bricks and mortar. So for me, you know, it's incredible in that sense. But I think where it really gets frustrating is one, you need multiple of them, right? So I say each one, you know, on my e-learning, I go through it, brings in 250 to 350 a month. To be honest, most of mine are 300 to just under 400 because I'm pushing market rents in, in most of them. And you kind of look at that and say, look, I'm not going to scoff at it. It's money. It's a, I mean, I'm not going to complain. But then sometimes you think maybe I'm going to complain because the amount of work that goes into it to get 300 a month, you know, to get just under 4K a year, you know, before tax, by the way, tax is independent. So I'm not going to go into that. Um, don't give me comments. Oh, what about tax though? Speak to your tax advisor for that. And you just think, like, all that work, all that effort, yeah, you're still getting a 50% return, so, you know, fair enough, just to get 300 quid a month. So in that sense, it can feel a little bit, um, so, I mean, look, if you don't know any better, so I've not done HMOs. Yeah, I've done a service accommodation, and I double, triple, 
quadruple what my you know buy to let's bring in but i haven't really experienced you know like thousands a month from one property so i don't necessarily feel like oh it's not enough because i don't even know what i'm comparing it to but i think you do get the feeling of just thinking you know it's 250 a month to pay off a mortgage in sort of the south like for your own residential home or even to pay rent you need what a minimum three of them maybe four that's just the mortgage you are bills your so when you start putting it into context of your own life I think you start to realize well shit you know is it actually enough or am I kind of just being you know okay with it now you know, people say buy to lets are the foundation, they're the beginning of your, your portfolio. They're vanilla, they're boring, they're entry level, whatever. That's cool. You can have 200 of them, though, and do pretty well. And I suppose that, again, goes back to the point, which is you have to have so many of them. You know, um, if, it's, if it's 300 quid per house per month, um, after mortgage, after insurance, after all costs, I self-manage. So yours might be less. Um, as I said, mine is more than 300. But let's just do it for easy maths. 300 a month. You to get three thousand pounds a month, which I suppose is above the UK average salary. You know, it's enough to get a decent resi mortgage. It's enough to you know have credit. You know, it's enough, I suppose, in some parts, some people to live. You know, I say for a lot of people, it's enough to live fairly decent, especially if you're out of the south, right, where, where everything's a bit cheaper. That's three thousand a month, ten properties, two hundred quid each. To get those ten properties, let me tell you something. Why do I look forty? Hmm. I'm 27. Why do I look 40? <laughs> because getting 10 properties is bloody stressful, right? And that's not a problem, right? It's all part of business. It's all something we do. But now I look at that and think, yes, I want 12 more buy-to-lets in 2021. You know, I've said this goal openly on my podcast before. But if I get a portfolio of six or a portfolio of 12 or a block of flats with X number in, I'm going to take that all day long, even if the return is slightly less. So if it's like 40%, maybe a bit less, I will take that. I will absolutely take that over doing it individually because I know managing one project, managing one thing at a time is so much easier than multiple things. You've got multiple conveyancing, multiple issues, multiple... Oh, God, it is endless. Whereas if it's one, it's all focused on one. And especially if it's a block of flats, you've got quite a nice spread of risk in terms of you know, you've got basically 10 buy-to-lets in one place. You also do some cool things with title splitting and freeholds and leaseholds. And so that's something I would look at now because it's the same effort, if not less effort, arguably, to get a better result. If I can build my portfolio in half a million chunks of value, you know, instead of 80k, 80k at a time, that makes it a lot easier. Now, at the start, I wouldn't recommend that necessarily. And when I say the start, I mean your first one or two properties. After that, go wild, do what you want. Um, so for me, am I sick of cheap buy-to-lets? <sighs> yes and no. You know, I've had a lot of issues with remortgaging, which has just been absolutely painful. Lenders going against their published criteria, down values, which actually didn't, you know, they made the deal go from 100% ROI to a 50% ROI, which again, I'm very happy with, but you know, it was below their minimum loan size. And then this, and, and I've had so many issues with kind of below 75K around 75K issues. And I speak about it in my book as well, that, you know, when I now go for buy to lets, I'm going to aim for the more end value of 
100k plus now the yield or the you know return for rent versus purchase price isn't necessarily as good as the cheaper ones but the headache is less the fact it's going to probably be in a better area and have more capital appreciation is probably better so look i still want 12 units 12 buy to let bri single let units let's call them because they could be houses could be flats but i must say you know there's definitely a draw to and you see on my podcast guests who are flipping properties in london or greater london and making 50 80 100 grand hundreds of thousands of pounds and they're not doing anything different to me in fact some of the finishes that I've seen, not on my podcast, but some of the finishes I've seen of developers in high value areas is pretty shite. I have to say, frankly, it's crap. Um, and I'm looking at my 80 grand houses thinking, I'm going overboard. Like I'm putting in these like awesome fixtures and fittings and tiles, and which does make a difference to rental and sometimes in value. But I just think, you know what? It's the same thing, but it's easier because they live closer to the properties. You know, mine are 150 miles away. I know how to flip a property. I've done it wrong enough times now to know how to do it right. And so for me, doing that same refurb but closer, where it will generate a 50k profit instead of a 15k profit, it's kind of a no-brainer. The, the main difficulty is that barrier to entry, right? Having the capital to actually make that stack and make it work. But, you know, I've been doing this for two years. I have investors that are bigger than when I started and I have more interest, way more interest in investing in me than you know, two years ago when I started. So I know, and I'm confident in raising hundreds of thousands of pounds. I've done it already, you know, just, you know, sort of in smaller bits. So I know that I can do it. Uh, and I know, and I've had the discussions already anyway. So I suppose it's taken me two years to get to this point, people. I want you to hear that, like two years to get to the point. But I know if I get a deal for half a mil, I'll put an offer in. I will get it funded. Like I know I will. If it's a good deal, right? it will get funded. That's why your deal analysis is really important. So, you know, this podcast was, you know, this this talk was kind of showing you a different views on it, but I hope it reflects, you know, what I'm thinking and, and how I've kind of come to the the shift, which is, look, I still want the buy to less because my God, when they're done properly, the refurb is done, which hasn't happened in my case. But anyways, you know, um, things are happening legally against that builder. Uh, so when things aren't done properly, Yes, the maintenance can be higher and the issues can be higher. But generally, honestly, like I could go and live on a beach, you know, and the portfolio will still cash flow as long as I have my phone. You think if there's a leak, I'm there in my wellies fixing it. I'll make it worse. So for me, it is passive. It can be managed quite easily. Um, I say easily, but it's not time or emotion intensive, um, especially landlording. I find it fairly straightforward, like connecting with people and, and speaking with them. So I do want more of that, but then there's definitely a shift to doing flips, new builds, conversions locally, because I know what I'm doing now and I have the means to do it. So look, people, I hope you have enjoyed this video or this audio, depending on what you're listening to it. If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, I don't know what you're doing. You better sort your shit out and get subscribed. Um, To everyone else, thank you very much. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.